Live from Western Kentucky University, capital of the Hilltopper Nation. Whether it's in the locker room or on the field, behind the clipboard or on the court, home or away, we've got you covered. Get ready to enter the Red Zone, your destination for all things sports, right here on Revolution 91.7. And welcome, 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 welcome to tonight's show. We have tons, tons, tons of stuff to talk about. Um, I am excited. Alongside me, John Alden, Ryan Gooden. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to tonight's show. How's it going, Leroy? It is fantastic. I am so happy to be here. And as I'm so happy that you guys have joined me this evening as we kind of had a quiet day today. No, I'm, oh, just, yeah. I'm just kidding. Today was uh, actually pretty, pretty busy. Tons of stuff going on. Uh, and it all started around three o'clock this afternoon when my phone rang and I got told that Mike Sanford Jr. has been fired from Western Kentucky football. He will no longer be the head coach at Western Kentucky. Uh, relieved of his duties in his second year coming off of a uh, rather pathetic season at three wins, nine losses. Um, overall for his career at Western, he was nine and 16 and Todd Stewart said, you know what, that's just not getting the job done. He uh, had a meeting with him today at 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock and uh, said, you know what, we appreciate everything you've done for Western, but we're going to have to cut cord and move on. And so uh, leaving everyone's head spinning, as most people thought that he was going to be safe uh, after he had won uh, his last two games against UTEP and La Tech. Uh, La Tech was a huge victory. We haven't even, we were going to spend the majority of the uh, day talking about that. Yeah, there was um, going to be a lot to look forward to, I feel like, going into the next season, even if you do have Mike Sanford. But at this point now, you're looking for the new coach and see if these players will be willing to adapt to this new system after the momentum that they have been riding these past couple of weeks. And I'm sure, regardless of whatever's happening, they're going to be able to adjust. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where you know you you look at it and you can you can absolutely play a ton of of what ifs. I mean, with this team, you know, but and especially coming off a thirty to fifteen victory, you know, most people thought maybe this team has finally turned the corner. It, it took some threats of of mm-hmm. firing him, but maybe this team turned the corner. But after talking to or after listening to Todd Stewart today in his press conference, he said. That was not completely factual at all, that there was no two-win, had-to-win-them-all, you were going to stay. It was looking at the overall product. And a lot of that started with last year's loss to Georgia State in the bowl game. Um, only nine teams have won bowl ga- had, at that time had won three bowl games and so in a row. And so for Western to lose, uh, that really took a lot of the air out of the sails for um, – Todd Stewart, as far as his belief of what uh, Stanford Stanford could do. It's like you were talking about before the show, how during the topper walk for the senior day game, you don't even have that much support showing up for these seniors. And when Todd Stewart can clearly see something like that coming to fruition, it had to be some sort of light bulb going off on his head that something had to be done sooner rather than later. Right, and that's just it. You know, you look at this team and you look at the amount of people that have that were that were at the games when they were winning and they're just not there and you know as well as I do in this industry money comes from fans 
And when the fans aren't coming to the game, it doesn't matter how good or how bad you're doing. If fans aren't coming to the game, you need to make a change in order to get these fans to come. Because the last thing you want to do is lose your football program. Yeah. A, a program that's worked so hard to get from Division Two to Division One. Yeah, and essentially, like, usually it seems like a head coach's fate is often decided by the outrage or just the the overwhelming voices of the fans because if you didn't have all this talk probably on social media or throughout the stadiums during the games, I'm not sure that Mike Sanford would have gotten the plug pulled on him this early. Yeah, Todd Stewart uh, today announced that uh, Mike Sanford, uh, Mike Sanford Sr. and Matthew Mitchell, who was the uh, quarter, uh, quarterback's coach, also Sanford's brother-in-law, they were all fired today. Obviously, you don't want the family drama of having um, family members there after yeah. you fire the, the main guy. So it makes sense to cut cords on that. Um, but let's let's take a look at really this season and how this really broke down because, you know, you come off of – a six and seven uh, record from last year, six and seven, um, which a lot of people thought we underperformed last year, given how many players got drafted in the NFL. I mean, you have uh, Joel Ibunwe, Mike White, uh, and I know I'm missing a ton of names there uh, of other players that got drafted last year, but. The talent was there, but the wins weren't. And, you know, you sneak into a bowl game, albeit a really crummy bowl game, and you get blown out by, an, by a crummy Georgia State team, and all of a sudden people are like, well, what's going on? Like, we should be winning. But coming into this season, you have the blowout loss to Wisconsin. That's how the season starts. But at the time, you know, Wisconsin was ranked. It's, well, they were a top three or four team and but they ended up finishing like what seven and five Absolutely. on the year they were horrible this year then you have the game against louisville or you have the loss to maine which should have never happened and that was the should, red that, light that, for everybody right and there. that should have never happened in the first place there's no reason that you pay an fcs team to come and then you let them win in your in your at your own stadium yeah but it, it does happen it's not like maine was the first team to do that sort of thing right absolutely but it, it shouldn't. It should never happen. No. It should never, ever happen. And so that was another one of those where it's like, oh, boy, you wonder if this team will ever win a game yeah. because you can't have losses like that and expect to all of a sudden turn the light on and start winning. Um, then you have the loss to, to, to Louisville, which was essentially a giveaway. And a lot of people thought that that was a really good performance against what we thought was a decent Louisville team. But now we but know even that looking the, back now, Louisville has been one of the most atrocious Power Five teams in college football this year. So you have a you have a win at Ball State. Sanford finally gets the win away at Ball State. But again, that game came down to the last throw of the game. Ball State dr drives down the field with 18 seconds left and throws a last-ditch effort into the end zone to tie it up, and our defense breaks it up. Uh, defense stood on their heads yesterday mm -hmm. La Tech, or against La Tech. They played absolutely phenomenal, and we're going get to get to that here in a little bit to talk just how great these players played yesterday. But let's continue. Um, they have the giveaway to Marshall, another game where you think you know, they played neck and neck, but they failed to make second-half adjustments mm -hmm. and allowed Marshall to really control that game in the second half. Uh, they have the Charlotte blowout, which, again, was a horrible disaster. I think WK might have even been favored in that game, if I'm not correct. The Charlotte one? Yeah. Absolutely. 
absolutely favorite. Charlotte was trash <laughs> and uh, and just failed to do anything. And and they made Charlotte look like Alabama in that game. Yeah. And that you should never. I should, I should, I should never say though. Alabama and Charlotte no. in the same sentence. Unless it's Alabama wins 63-0. Against Charlotte. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have the giveaway to Old Dominion, and that game was that game was so awful, it made the top ten worst plays uh, <laughs> of the week. Um, but, you know, I sat up in the media room for that Old Dominion game, and you could just see the momentum shift as we ran down the field. And it's like, why are we rushing down the field? Uh, me sitting there as an armchair head coach, I should never be able to see stuff <laughs> that Sanford doesn't see. And and it was it was ob- it was obvious to everyone in that stadium what was happening. And when Old Dominion won, it was just like, of course they did. Of course they I did. I think it's clear to see so far that the theme of the season was that there really wasn't a theme. It was just full of inconsistency. Full of inconsistencies and failure to make second-half adjustments. Mm-hmm. I've harped on it all year long. I said it from day one. This team finished, I believe, fourth or fifth in Conference USA in most points scored in the first half. Wow. And finished 13th out of 14th with fewest points scored in the second half of games. I mean, it's just the inability to finish. So that that number was, was pretty... Uh, amazing to see because it really showed just how crummy we did in the second half of the, of, of football games. You have the FIU homecoming blowout. You have the Middle Tennessee disaster. You can't lose to rivals like that. Mm. It doesn't matter. One thing about, you know, I'm a huge Bears fan, and, yeah. and the Bears went through quite a few years where they were just awful. But you knew that coming into that game against Green Bay, mm. it was always going to be whatever their best effort was. And a lot of times it, it wasn't good. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. But the energy was there because it was a rival. Mm-hmm. There was no energy against middle. And I think Todd Stewart touched on that a lot today where he said, you know, the energy levels weren't there for a lot of these games. The Georgia State game, the energy wasn't there. Uh, the old Middle Tennessee game, the energy wasn't there. And the, the game that I'm about to talk about, FAU, the FAU game, there was just no energy. It was they were going through the motions. I feel like a lot of these players, especially those who had been around for the Brom era and this Mike Sanford era, they were used to being fantastic. They were used to winning 9, 10, 11 games, whatever it was. And when they see this 6-6 six and six season they had last year and now that's turned into this year, I mean, it's probably pretty hard to find the motivation to continue on with the same passion that you had during those successful seasons. Well, and you you wonder just how much head coaching had to do with that because there just wasn't. Well, I'm sure a, they didn't want to see Brom leave. Right? No, absolutely. But Sanford came in. Sanford comes in, and from what many sources have told me, came in and changed a lot of the policies in the locker room from mm-hmm. what Brom had. Brom was pretty loose with what went on in the locker room. Sanford came in and said no loud music, no. They came from a Notre Dame background, you, you know. So. so he came from pretty strict. You know, mm-hmm. locker room environment. And so to go from a team that was used to just partying it up and having a good time, but going out on the field and, and playing the game the way it's supposed to be, to a head coach. And, you know, the other thing that he said was we hadn't won anything really big yet. Mm-mm, no way. Which was ridiculous because 
for a, a middle school, for a non-Power 5 school to win two bowl games in a row to handle Conference USA, and I mean handle Conference USA. I mean, it got they, to the point to where everybody expected Western Kentucky to be on top of it year in and year out. And we've, I believe, John, that we've reached that point now where, where, anything, they expected where anything less than six wins... Anything less than six wins is not acceptable. Well, even with the six wins last year, it didn't seem acceptable. Well, right, but that was coming off of no matter what Sanford did, it was not going to be good enough yeah. for against Brom. I, 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 it goes to show that his style of coaching and his whatever he came in to implement, it was not going to fit no right. matter what. And I think Todd Stewart learned his lesson when he hired Collins over for the women's basketball. You know, you hire Sanford, who was not anything to do with the program that had nothing i mean he was here before mm-hmm. but he was here a long time ago uh to hiring a, a, a new guy that had nothing to do with it and trying to come in and do the exact same thing you don't hire somebody brand new when you're winning mm-hmm. you hire somebody within that program to continue doing what was good you continue doing what was good. You only hire somebody out of the program when your team is garbage. You need like, like a re like shock now, kind of thing. Yeah. Now you can absolutely do it. You know, if you would have hired Holt, uh, Nick Holt, you know, for the to take yeah. over, and Holt did awful for these last two years, then you could go and you could hire a Stanford. You could hire mm-hmm. somebody that was outside the program that had nothing, no idea what was going on with it. But to go from having Brahman there to completely restarting over. Why would you restart over when your team is, is winning 9, 10 games a year? And even if you do decide to, to find somebody outside the program, find somebody with a similar coaching and play-calling style, because it seemed like the Sanford offense was not very similar to what Jeff Brom was running. And it's also coming from a Notre Dame school that you think of Notre Dame now and you think, oh, wow, they're, they're a top three school. Mm-hmm. But when um, Sanford was there, they were five and eight. And right, right. It, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that they were overly successful when yeah. when he was there. Um, and then, you know, you, you finish off the year with wins over UTEP and Louisiana Tech. But let's not get twisted. Let's not look at these two wins as the whole of the season. Because you can't do that. Yes, we were 11-point underdogs against uh, Louisiana Tech. We were 11-point underdogs and not favored to win. No WKU team, and that includes the teams under Brom, mm-hmm. no WKU team had won at Ruston. We'd never won wow. down in, in in Ruston. So Sanford can hold his head head high. That yeah, he at least was, he went off on that. He went off on that high note. Um, well, credit to Stewart for not looking at those two games and, and using that as the season. Right, because yeah. we had thought, Ryan, we had thought that they were going to. Because a lot of the stuff that had come out said if, if Sanford wins his last two games, mm-hmm. he keeps his job. And we had played off of that. When it comes out that today in the press conference, it was not the case. Todd Stewart was not going – he had already had his mind made up after the UTEP game. The UTEP game was the big deciding factor. If not, that was the final, final factor. There was quite a few other times in there where I think he had said, uh, we can't keep him here. Um and this comes from a guy who had really, you know, tried to avoid the social media buzz. Mm-hmm. Because you know as well as I do, if you go on Twitter right now, I can find 8,000 I hate Mike Sanford tweets <laughs> or something to that effect. But at the end of the day, you know, you as the athletic director have to make the best decision for your program. And if that means keeping Sanford, then so be it. Keep Sanford. But clearly, 
it was not the best decision. And Todd Stewart said he did not feel that this program was going to improve drastically in the next two years. And that's where the decision came in. And that's what's fantastic about Todd Stewart is that he's not just looking at the immediate future. He's looking two, three, four years ahead probably. He wants this program to be successful not just next season but in the seasons to come after that. You know, absolutely. And when you have losses to, you know, Louisville who – that now looking back at Honestly, it, I feel like Western should have won. That Western absolutely. Western should have won against Louisville. Western should have won against Marshall. Western should have won against Old Dominion, and Western probably should have won. Uh, Western Charlotte. absolutely should have won against Charlotte and Maine. Maine yeah. There you go. Those are five wins right there. That if he gets those wins, even if it's by a point, we're having a very different very conversation. Different. Right we're talking now. about bowl season. We're having a very <laughs> different conversation, which just goes to show you how short that football season is and how every win. Is, is important, but yes. So Mike Sanford is out nine and sixteen. Uh, worst start for a W for worst two years for a WKU football coach since 1922. Um, WKU finishes their RPI 129 out of 130. The only team that was worse than them was UTEP, uh, and we crushed them. But again, did not score in the second 40 half. To zero, whatever, forty to something at the end of the first half, and then you end up with forty points. Uh, at the again, end of the made made crummy second-half adjustments uh, and could not get the job done. And at the end of the day, that's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable for a fan base that has gotten used to winning 9-10 games in the season. And the problem that we're going to have is we cannot, we cannot accept, expect this head coach when he comes in, whoever it is, to be able to turn things around overnight. No. All right. One thing that was working against Sanford was the youth of Western. I mean, Western is very, very young, um, but very athletic. And I think that's one thing that will hold well for whoever does come into head coaching here is that they are that they are fairly young and they will stick together for the most part moving forward. Um, but we have to temper our expectations. There is the expectation versus reality kind of factor that you take in with WKU football, and that is we are not a Power 5 school. If a head coach does well, he will leave. If a head coach does bad, he will leave. So you almost you almost want to find a head coach like Travis Hudson, a guy that wants I mean, to he's stay. He's about the only guy who would stay around right. here for his entire right. life on this. Um, and that's and that's not a knock against Travis Hudson. I mean, we love him. We're we're glad that no, we he's wish here. we had more people. We like wish him. yeah, we wish we had more people like Travis Hudson. But he has done such a tremendous job with WKU volleyball that even a kind of disappointing season this year with 20 wins, you still look at it and you say, man, he did 20 wins with a team that lost all of those players after last year. That's pretty amazing. Um, and that's what WKU football needs to look at, is to bring in a guy that's had some relative success that can come in here and Todd Stewart can hand him the keys and say, here you go, have fun, it's yours. Do whatever you want with it, but you need to, have, you need to win at least six games a year. And I'm setting that mark low because six games is a bowl game. And I think that's good for a school like Western Kentucky to be able right. to reach for each. Because every year, you might have a few years where you win nine, ten games. But if you can set the minimum threshold at going to a bowl game every year, that seems like a pretty good guarantee for student athletes who, ex- who expect to be in the postseason you in know, some way, shape, or form. Right. And, I'm, and, and the thing is, if Sanford gets six wins, 
he keeps that job. Oh, for sure. I, I don't care if you hate him, if you love him. If Sanford would have gotten six wins, he'd be. He, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. We might be having a conversation about how we don't like him, but we would not be having a conversation about him being fired. No, not at all. Um, we asked on Twitter and Facebook a little bit earlier um, who uh, are some possible coaching names that you would like to see in charge. Now, Todd Stewart has said he has a short list of names that he likes. Uh, every athletic director does. Todd Stewart's no exception. Um, he would not tell us some of the names that he had, but obviously you can speculate on your own some of those names. Now, for this purpose, I am going to ignore Petrino, and I'm going to ignore Jeff Brom. I'm sorry, <laughs> but they are not coming back. It's not going to happen. I don't see why you would want Petrino to come back. No, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't want Petrino to come back here. And Brom, I'm sorry, he's not coming here. He's going up. So uh, let's take a look at some of these other names. Hugh Freeze is a big name that's being mentioned. He is the current offensive coordinator of the Arizona Hotshots in the AAF, which is a brand-new football league huh. um, that started up. Interesting. Um, Neil Brown, he's the head coach of Troy. Um, Brian Brom, he's the quarterbacks and co-offensive coordinator at Purdue, well-known here as he worked under Brom uh, during his time uh, here. Uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. Has a, is a name that I would love to see. Um, his son, uh, Steve, uh, plays, has uh, just committed to Duke. That announcement came uh, within the last 24 hours. Steve Spurrier Jr.'s son, who is the quarterback for South Warren, uh, has committed to Duke. So that's something to keep an eye on with him. Uh, but he is the Washington State University outside receivers coach. Kendall Bryles is the offensive co coordinator for the Houston Cougars. He is another name that's been mentioned. And then here's a big one that I've heard throughout the afternoon, Cliff Klingsbury. Cliff Klingsbury is the former Texas Tech head coach. He was fired yesterday. Um, and I, you know what? It wouldn't be a bad move to bring him in. I, I, as far as all of these names that I mentioned, his name seems like a pretty decent one. Nick Holt, the uh, – co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach over at Purdue. He's also here on this list, obviously, because he was under Brom, and Brom had a lot of success while he was here at Western. And Larry Fedora, former North Carolina head coach. His name has also been mentioned. Um, and you know what? The thing is, is with this kind of decision, the, the, ending, the, the possibilities are endless. There is a lot of names that could fit into blah da 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 new head coach at western kentucky mm -hmm. but uh what who do you who do you like from that list honestly i i like the two head coaches cliff kingsbury and larry fedora the only thing i don't like about them though is that they were fired at their respective schools unc and texas tech but both of them bring a high-powered offense which is what wku is used to and i think they'll have a similar locker room feel that jeff brom had if you hire somebody like one of those two guys and that's, and that's such a big thing is, you know, energy level. Energy level for a football program is so underrated. We don't talk about it nearly enough, and it's super important because you, you just – you need to have high energy because it's the only thing that can make your football program compete day in and day out because it's such a demanding sport. Uh, so if we can bring in a head coach that has tons of energy and tons of excitement and can do – pretty much whatever he wants to. Uh, one thing that Todd Stewart did uh, kind of promote Mike Sanford for doing was recruiting. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Because uh, we remember he was not left with much when Jeff Brom left. I think a lot of that we kind of forget about because of his performance as a head coach. But how would Jeff Brom have done with his own recruiting? Uh, that's a good question. I have heard uh, – but see, I've talked to some people at Purdue who love Brom's recruiting there so far. But you wonder he how much – He also has the pull of a I big I was just going to say, school. you wonder how much easier it is to recruit at Purdue than it would be to recruit at a school like Western Kentucky. I, 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 tend to, I tend to think that the recruiting will sort itself out the bigger school you get. Like, obviously, Notre Dame will never have a problem with recruiting. No. It, it doesn't matter if you're an awful head coach or a great head coach. Schools like that won't have an issue with recruiting. But the farther you get down the list, why should I that – that's where it becomes the question because it goes, why should I play for Western when I can play for UK or I can play for uh, another football school? So if you are a good recruiter, obviously being at the smaller schools is a huge uh, influence on that. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Obviously, I think there's some names on this list that will be much higher than others. It'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how this develops and who, uh, what names really uh, rise to the surface on this. Um, I really, really would like to see Cliff Klingsbury. Obviously, I think he would be a huge name to come here. And the thing is, he would not have the media here that he had at Texas Tech because, you know, Texas Tech is kind of the – I wouldn't say forgotten school, but there's so many universities in Texas mm. that he is competing with that he would kind of have a little bit freer reign. Well, what's fantastic, too, about Kingsbury is that he, I'm pretty sure he's a fairly young head coach. And if you have that young energy, similar to Mike Sanford, not necessarily the same kind of coaching style, but if you have a young coach like we have had in the past, that can maybe energize the players as well as, lo- as, well as what they're doing on offense or what he would be doing on offense. Absolutely, and I saw one of our one of our uh, watchers said that Neil Brown will probably go to the SEC. I, I tend to agree. Again, I was compiling this list based off of comments that were left to me from Twitter and Facebook, uh, and these were the most uh, the the best names that were on there because it, it just seems like you know you can throw out any name on there. I mean, obviously anybody could perceivably, perceivably get this job. But at the end of the day, we really have to limit our expectations as we are – we're a Conference USA school. We're well, not, so who, who do we legitimately think is on this short list of Todd Stewart? Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, it really, I, I think I, it could I be a I number of those people. I definitely think Nick Holt is on it. Yeah. I definitely think Brian Brom is on it. But y- y- you wonder, you know, moving up from offensive coordinator to head coach and taking that head coaching job at Western, you know – for for Brian Brom or for Brom, you know, it's one of those things where he's already had exposure to some of these players, uh, and to what this university can do. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but do you go back to that? I mean, but well, well, I mean, what failed with it? N- nothing, nothing failed with it, other than like the, other if it than ain't the fact broke, that, don't fix it, which is what Mike Sanford tried to do. He fix, came in and fix, decided to fix, fix a the, fix a wheel that's not broken. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess so. You know, it's one of those things where you really, you really sit there and you, you, you kind of just go over these names and you're like, no, no. But maybe, maybe. you don't want to just think, oh, we just got to keep in the Brom line of coaching. Maybe we need to get away from that because if Brian Brom or Nick Holt do well, I mean, it's not going to last long. It's going to be two, maybe three years, and then we'll be doing the same thing all over again. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, really quick before we, we go to break here, we're going to switch gears here. Uh, we've spent the last half hour talking about uh, the, this big uh, announcement of Stanford being gone. You know, I talked earlier about expectations versus reality, and we really have to temper our expectations because we're Conference USA. We're not a big Power 5 school. And, you know, you can argue and say, well, that's not fair or that's not right or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, the reality is that we are and that we will always be losing head coaches if they're good to other schools. We will be on our, 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 we will be on our fourth head coach in six years. Um, and that's a lot of it it's because of success it's because these guys did well did well enough to move up but at the end of the day we have to remember you know like uh, we might not get the head coach that we want but we need to give them the support until they give us a reason not to give them that support when we come back we're going to have much much more men's basketball had a tough week uh and women's basketball had a a, a average week um uh, kind of frustrating losses and we'll have that. Also, uh, high school football is wrapping up. Uh, there's two schools left that we're going to talk about. Uh, and much, much more. You're listening to Revolution 91.7 Red Zone Radio. Looking for future leaders we can believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Kentucky. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It includes learning to listen, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect. The result, it transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. This message presented by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association and the Kentucky High School Athletic Directors Association. In Africa, five-year-old Cheru has no choice. She and millions like her walk miles a day for dirty water. But together, we can end their walk by providing clean water close by. Instead of spending hours walking to get water that makes them sick, Girls can be in a classroom, and moms will gain back time to care for their families. Sons and daughters can grow up strong, finally free of sicknesses. It's true. When you just add water, you change a life. Learn more at worldvision.org. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem I can't fight alone. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids in America struggle with it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the red zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Revolution 91.7, Red Zone Radio, Lyric Kamola alongside me, John Alden and Ryan Gooden. John just stepped out. He will be obviously right back. Uh, if you are just joining us, we spent a good half hour talking about Western Kentucky football, who released their head coach today after two years. Mike Sanford Jr. has been fired. He is He finished the season, or he finished the two years at Western, nine wins and 16 losses. If you missed any of that segment, go on Facebook, check out our Facebook live feed. You can rewind it, re- reverse it, re- rewatch it, and uh, get all of that. We'll also try to get this uh, episode up on SoundCloud for you later on tonight or tomorrow morning and uh, get this up for you so you all can hear it and analyze it as much as you want to. But we're going to switch gears now and uh, talk a little bit about Western Kentucky basketball. Uh, Men's basketball has lost two out of its last four, including a stunning loss to Indiana State 
away, 63 to 54, and the expected loss uh, to UCF, 78 to 62. Uh, fan base uh, is starting to get a little disgruntled, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with that Indiana State loss, obviously. But the team is underperforming what a lot of experts and a lot of people thought. I still think it's super early for anybody to be really complaining yet about a team about this team, but obviously the fans the fans expect wins and when the team loses to Indiana State, obviously I think they have a little bit of a right to be frustrated. Me being a Hoosier fan, I know one thing or two of what it's like to lose to the <laughs> Indiana State Sycamores. <laughs> You've been down that road before, I have. <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of these things where I think not them not having a point guard really really hurts them. Yeah, you know, with Bearden Monte with, Bearden, with, with yeah. Monte Bearden being out, you know, Bearden was a huge part of this program, and with him being away for the first part of the season, I I, I think that's hurting them more than what most people expected that that loss to be because he he's such a big presence on that basketball team and you know you talk about leadership and you know the, i think it's clear team. that we have like a lack of depth on this team right now especially when you look at the entire stat line from the indiana state game only five bench points came from one player delano banson and if you have no one else i'm pretty sure merrick nelson played 13 minutes didn't yeah score well, anything. savage played the whole game Savage played all 40 well, minutes. Like, you don't have someone who can come in and relieve some of these players. And I mean, people like him, like Savage, Charles Bassey, everybody's going to step up and be ready to play these big minutes, which I sh- shouldn't be a problem for someone like Charles Bassey, who has NBA aspirations, I'm sure. But if, if you're not getting that bench progression, you clearly have a lack of depth, and you're going to have to make it up for it in the starting five. Yeah, you know, and you know, you have that win against Valpo, the 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 huge victory against you know West Virginia, who was ranked 13th at the time. They're obviously not ranked 13th anymore <laughs> um, after having losses to us and then somebody else. They Buffalo. lost to Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. So I mean, that's not looking good. For no, um, but UCF was favored in that game. Let's not take this away as Western just dropping the ball. I mean, Western UCF, is not going to beat every mid-major conference foe. No. But and I, you know what? If the thing is, is if they're going to get their their frustrations or this chemistry issues out of the way, I'd much rather have them get it out of the way now. Because in reality, the games that count a whole lot more is conference play. Mm-hmm. The only thing this really hurts is our at-large bid, because the tournament's absolutely going to look at that loss to Indiana State and say, even if it was on the road, thank goodness it was on the road. No, because we can't they, afford. We cannot afford like a home loss to. Uh, a below average, below average Indiana State team. Uh, and Indiana State can shoot. Uh, yeah, like I mean, 50% that, from three in pretty I, sure I mean, the game. But sometimes you're going to go against teams who are doing that. And if you can't defend the perimeter, it's your own fault. Well, and you can't afford those games as the season goes on. You no. know, once you get into the tournaments, it, one game is it. You know, you don't get the chance to really. You have to figure it out relatively quick. And unless you're also shooting 50% from three. Chances are you're probably not winning most of those games whenever the opponent is doing that. Well, and that's the thing. We've our perimeter defense all year has been suspect. That and free throw yep. shooting, and we've we shot 22% from three and 36% overall in that game. Well, there you go. You you're definitely that. not going to be keeping up on points. No, like absolutely not. When you're when you're scoring two and they're scoring three the whole time, it's easily. Gonna, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, you know. But it's one of those things where you look at you look at that loss and you wonder later on. If that's the one that's going to come back and, and hurt you, because 
you know, a lot of times with these kind of things, especially for the, the, the lower, less, the lesser schools, it comes down to one or two losses. What you have to do is you got to make up for it and beat somebody like Wisconsin later on. Because oh, that can cancel out the bad loss, good win, bad loss, and non-conference it, play it, right there. And you hope Lamonte comes back before a couple games before For that sure. so they can get that chemistry right. going because you need it, him in that game. If you take anything away from anything that we say in basketball, if we ever talk about basketball on the show, if you take anything away, it's come out to that Wisconsin game. I don't care how bad this basketball team is. Come they're out to that. Bad. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is, <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're bad at all. They they will breeze through most of these games. But come out to that Wisconsin game because the more people that fill in that fill in the stadium against Wisconsin's, the, the better. I mean, so. it could it could essentially be the game that may decide the fate of their bubble. If WKU is on the bubble and they don't win their conference championship, their tournament championship, yeah. that could be the game that could sway them one way or the other. Ab- absolutely. Uh, coming up for the schedule for for uh, Western Kentucky basketball, they finally come home. They were on the road for quite a while there, almost two weeks. Uh, on the road. Hey, they're going to be seasoned road and, uh, they, they come they come home this Saturday, 6 p.m., to face Tennessee State. I will be covering that game for Red Zone Radio. I'll be down courtside for that game. Uh, most likely, it'll be me if I can. It's going to be somebody. It'll, it'll be somebody. <laughs> I, I, might have ba- I might have a baby, so I might not be there. But uh, <laughs> then they uh, head out to Missouri State. They head out to Springfield, Missouri, to take on Missouri State. That game's on Wednesday, and then at Arkansas on December 8th. And that one's going to be a little bit interesting to watch. Anytime you can play an SEC foe, even if it is basketball, mm-hmm. it's always something that, that can get people and get fans talking and, and, and watching. So that will be an uh, interesting basketball game for them to play. i tell you what, Daniel Gafford versus Charles Bassey is going to be fantastic to watch him, watch Bassey defend him because when Indiana played Arkansas, there was no stopping that man. I don't know if he's a senior, junior, what his class is for Arkansas basketball. But that guy is going to be who they need to watch if WKU wants a chance to win that game on the road. Well, I and, believe he's a sophomore because last year he was a freshman and they thought he was going to go for the draft. So there you go. a first-round pick and, last year. And it's always so interesting getting into these personal matchups because basketball is such a, a different sport where it really comes down to player-on-player matchups and, and, and how they dictate uh, the basketball game. So I'm really excited to see some of these matchups, especially that one. And that could also be a good... Um, bubble swaying game especially being on the road if they're able to pull off the victory well they'll have to shoot well because unless yeah. savage or hollingsworth is shooting well we have no other shooters on this team because omer's not playing with confidence and you have nobody no. else i think he maybe took one shot against indian i mean he didn't get much playing time in general but until he gets that confidence back like you said it's going to be savage or hollingsworth and you just got to hope they're on because if not uh this team be a lot of Bassey in the post and he'll be passing or at least that's the good thing at least you have somebody like Bassey who you can fall back on but the one thing is he can't do it all so you're going to need to have the perimeter shooting the the outside two-point jump shooting you're going to need that to complement the Charles Bassey effect down low you're going to need to have all the faces of the offense working together to score against teams like Arkansas and Wisconsin and even in Conference USA right all right, well, moving over to women's basketball. A lot of questions with men's basketball moving forward, but I think I think a lot of that will sort itself I do, out. I do, I do think it's important to not overreact about the couple losses. It happens. Right. No, absolutely. They're not going to win all of their games. Almost we every knew, team has a bad loss going into their co- beginning of absolutely. the uh, conference season absolutely. and all that. I mean, 
you know, one game that was really, really exciting to watch, uh, getting off topic here really quick, mm. was that Duke and Zagger game. Yeah. That Duke and Zagger game was absolutely phenomenal. You had people talking Duke going undefeated, which is, in this day and age in college basketball, would be ridiculous. But, I mean, Gonzaga, we now know, is a real threat to be a national championship contender. And they won and, that game without their best player. And there you go, another yeah. thing. Yeah, and Gonzaga's always one of those teams that does really, really well throughout the season, but then you wonder yeah, cause just how well they... Yeah, because they anybody. Right, you wonder just how well they do in the tournament. Uh, but that Duke win was pretty significant. So we'll look ahead here in the next month and see just how these things start shaking itself yeah. out as far as good teams. And that was on so a nobody's safe. Teams. Nobody's safe. That was on a neutral court, so it's not like anybody had home home court there. Yeah, playing out in Hawaii. Women, women's basketball, uh, they had a home game uh, November 20th uh, against Southern Illinois. That was Education Day. Education Day always freaks me out because there's always <laughs> like 10,000 screaming little kids. And the thing about it is it's wonderful. I'm really glad that these kids get to go out and, and see a, you know, a professional basketball game, a coll- collegiate basketball game, a collegiate they, basketball game. In their game. minds, it might be professional. Um, but it's always interesting because they always cheer whenever the ball goes in the basket. It doesn't matter it's like, if it's yeah! the home team or if it's the away team. It doesn't matter. So, uh, But I tell you what, you ever want somebody to miss a free throw, just have 8,000 screaming little kids scream. I've never seen a free throw percentage so low as when that's happening. <laughs> it's wild that nobody expects to see children there. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, but they won 83-76, to 76, then headed out to Vancouver for the 2018 Vancouver sh- Showcase, where they immediately faced off against number nine, Oregon State. And again, Western Kentucky continues to schedule these these really tough games. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be important for them to face some of these teams and really see just how good some of these women. Because women's basketball is one of those things where there's like 20 good teams. And then everybody else And then is there's average. a huge drop-off, yes. and then everyone else is, is, is there. And Oregon's one of those teams that's really, really good. They ended up winning 74-60, to 60, but Western kept up with it for most of the first half. Definitely a lot better than their performance against Iowa. Absolutely. That Iowa game, 104-67, to 67, that was a, a disaster. <laughs> but uh, they, they lost to Oregon State, then faced uh, Eastern, they faced ETSU. Uh, they won 82-68 over ETSU, then played in the fifth-place game against Gonzaga, uh, women's Gonzaga, and fell short 76-55. to uh, But this team is starting to get it together. It I, definitely I, I, seems like they're winning the games they're supposed to be winning. They're growing a lot from the games that they aren't winning, especially against these tough teams. And I think we're going to continue to see that development under Greg Collins throughout the rest of the season. And it's so nice to see, and we talked about it earlier with football, but I think the Collins hire in a few years is going to look really, really good. You have a guy that worked under Michelle Clark Hurd, adapted her system, and kind of modified it a little bit to and his own. did he own. keep the rest of the coaching staff with Everything, him as well? I believe so. So there you, go. you have these players who already know everybody that they're working with. They're just going to have to adjust a little bit, continue to bring in these players under the system, and it's probably going to work out in the end if they keep buying in. Right, and Michelle Clark Hurd and Todd Stewart made these schedules tough on purpose so that they would have some tournament games to look at moving down the line. Uh, that was one of the reasons why we're playing Iowa and why we're playing Oregon State, why we're playing some of these top-level teams is because we wanted to have excuse me, a high level for the tournament people to look at. Um, and they're playing decent. They're falling short, uh, but they're playing decent. Coming up for them on Wednesday, they have a home game against Morgan State. That game is at 6 p.m. Uh, here at home. And then on Saturday, they head off to Little Rock uh, to face the Little Little Rock Trojans. And then uh, next Saturday, or two Saturdays from now, they play Bellarmine 
here at home again. So they got some uh, some good games coming up, and then huge tests against Notre Dame. Just like last year. Yep. I mean, it's, it's always hard going as the defending national champion. Yeah, what can you do? And that game's on the road. But, hey, you never know what you're going to get out of them. <laughs> if, we so, can, if we can go in there and maybe get within 20 points, I think you can call it a moral victory. Not that we want to support moral victories, but against somebody like Notre Dame, you can only expect so much. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, high school bas- or high school football. They're wrapping up their season. The, champ- the championship games will be this weekend. Much, much more. You're listening to Revolution 91.7 Red Zone Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Russell Wilson here, and I know how important exercise is. It's essential. It's essential. With Play 60, United Way and the NFL are helping kids stay active and play at least 60 minutes a day. Healthy kids. Healthy kids. But what this place needs is you. To donate or volunteer, go to unitedway.org slash play60. Because great things happen when we live united. Donate. Donate. You guys going to do that every time? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, and father of five. I'm also an expert on drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids, and there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. And lead the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Talking all things Tapper Sports, you're listening to Red Zone on Revolution 91.7. Red Zone Radio live here on the hill of Bowling Green from the Mass Media Studios. It is Lyric Clemolo alongside John Alden and Ryan Gooden, if I could remember who I'm with. Hey, guys. Glad to have you here. Uh, Again, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight. Tons of stuff going on today. Uh, the big news, obviously, of course, is Mike Sanford Jr. has been fired as the head coach of the Western Kentucky football team. That search for the new head coach begins immediately. But we're going to switch. We're going to talk a little bit here about high school high school football. Uh, high school football is wrapping up their season. Uh, they will have championship games coming up. If I could breathe and talk, I apologize. My sinuses are kicking my butt. Uh, after victories for both South Warren and Covington Catholic, South Warren beat South Oldham 31-10, Covington Catholic won 36-14 over Pulaski County. The rematch is set. Uh, South Warren will face Covington Catholic. Uh, Covington Catholic won 43-7 last year, and South Warren is looking for a little bit of revenge. They're trying to go for that Michigan revenge tour. Oh, uh, it didn't really quite end so well for them, though, in the long run. It, it, the it, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, that loss to Ohio State uh, will sting for a while. Um, and proving again that Harbaugh really can't win under in the big games. He's struggled with that. 
This was all, his chance. And he all, yeah, all season long. But uh, or all, his whole career with them, he struggled with I mean, that's that. his Achilles heel at this point. If he can't get past that, the fans are going to demand something else. I mean, that game is the most important thing for not only just their rivalry aspect, but that was their ticket to the, not only the Big Ten Championship, but a possibility at the college football playoff. Anyway, we're not talking college no, football right no, now. No, no. See, you keep wanting to get me back on the back on. It was such a huge game, though. Um, but uh, South Warren uh, will face Covington Catholic. Uh, that rematch is going to be set for uh, November 30th. Uh, I have the Franklin Simpson game up. That's what, that's what I was about to talk about. Uh, Franklin Simpson uh, versus Johnson Central. Johnson Central uh, beat Knox Central 59-20. And then, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I messed that up. But Franklin Simpson is going for their third consecutive 4A championship matchup. Last year, uh, Franklin Simpson won 35-21. And then 2016, Johnson Central won 48 nothing. So it's been kind of a flip-flop thing for them. Uh, this year's going to be another test for them as far as that. Uh, but those are the two big matchups is uh, South Warren going against Covington Catholic and Franklin Simpson going against Johnson Central. Both teams have already faced each other uh, in last year's championship. So they will be facing off uh, coming up here in a huge game for their respective 4A and 5A championships. Um, Franklin, I do think that uh, that South Warren game will be a lot closer than it was last year. Yeah. South Warren's been handling everybody. South, South Warren's been dominant, but you can never – I mean, Covington Catholic's just phenomenal at football. Uh, so they will be a team to, to watch. That, that should be – on paper, that should be a really, really good game. Gavin Spurrier uh, obviously is heading to Duke. Uh, he will be – he announced that he will be heading to Duke here uh, as a – for next season, so it'll be interesting to see how he does there, uh, and whether it's an or not interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Did you see their crowd this weekend when they played? I don't remember who they played against. But they played South Oldham. They played South. No, no, no. I'm talking Duke. Oh, Duke. Duke football. Oh, there was nobody there. I mean, there was maybe six people. And Duke started <laughs> off the season pretty good and kind of just fell apart. Uh, they did not. They were ranked. They were all point. looking for Zion Williamson. <laughs> He wasn't, he, wasn't. he wasn't. He wasn't there, clearly. <laughs> um, so that's it for the high school news. We don't have a whole lot of tops on top. There was stuff going on today, but we really didn't get around to covering it all. We're going to take a quick, another quick break. When we come back, we're going to have final thoughts and a little bit of last uh, stuff on the huge announcement today. You're listening to Revolution 91.7, Red Zone Radio. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You don't have to be a race car driver to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you can't control, like mechanical issues, high winds, and rain delays. But there's some drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you and leave the drama for the racetrack. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. I started my adventure in the Air Force Reserve as a payload system operator. A flight medic in the Air Force Reserve. I'm a pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds demonstration. We do a lot in a little bit of time, and we have to do it very efficiently. It's a very exciting career. The Reserve gave me the opportunity to learn something totally different from what I did. The training in the Air Force Reserve is second to none. The most exciting thing in the Air Force Reserve is to be able to travel. It gave me the opportunity to go to college. That was definitely a bonus. And the Air Force Reserve gave me all those opportunities and then even more. Start your adventure in the Air Force Reserve. It's the kid in grade school who paints her face blue and white before every home game. It's the accountants and salesmen who give up their Friday evenings to referee. 
It's the cashier at the corner convenience store who wears school colors on every game day. What makes high school sports here in Kentucky so special? They do. You do. We all do. This message presented by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association and the Kentucky High School Athletic Directors Association. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the red zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Revolution 91.7, Red Zone Radio. Hello, everyone. We're wrapping up a huge show uh, breaking breaking this afternoon. Coach Mike Sanford, Jr., Mike Sanford, Sr., and uh, Matthew Mitchell were all fired today, uh, released from WKU football. That's the huge uh, announcement today. Kind of took everyone by shock, as I think there was a lot of speculation that he was going to stay at least for the start of yet another year. But once again, Western will be on the hunt for a new football coach. Um, And we talked a little bit earlier about some big uh, names, because whenever you have a head coaching search and, and you know, you you know you have a new head coach, or you need need a head coach. The coaching carousel really, really becomes a huge thing to watch. So not only are you looking at Western's coaching stuff, coaching staff, but you're looking at everyone else's coaching staff too, because you're seeing uh, one big surprise uh, extension today was Lovey Smith over really? in Illinois. Illinois, Lovey Smith got extended for two years. Wow, got a two year extension on his contract uh, with them, which uh, I think took a lot of people by surprise because I think how, wait, how many years you say he got? Two. He got two oh, more okay. years. Okay, two more years. That's, I guess that's a little fair. You got to keep a little continuity going to give so the recruits a little bit of hope. That was something to look at. Other announcements today in Conference USA: Old Dominion fired everybody except for their head coach. They fired their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams, and running back coach, I believe. Uh, Those were all the casualties over at Old Dominion. (laughs) So that's something else to to look at. And then Charlotte's head coach was already let go last week. Uh, So some changes will be coming in Conference USA, as there is every year. There's always changes. But it's always interesting to look at who is going to be the difference maker and who, uh, who goes where. I think it's very important. Look, I definitely think Western Kentucky has the most appealing job out of anyone else in Conference USA. Well, especially considering where Western's been. And you look at 2015 and 16 as the golden years of Western Kentucky. And, you know, you don't really want to do that. You want to keep the golden years going. But, you know, we we struggled the last two years. And I think if we want to get back to that, it all starts from the atmosphere and the attitude of the head coach and working his way on down. Now is the time. If you want to hire somebody that has no connection to Western, now is the time to do that. He can come in, set up his own style, his own thing, and then just keep it and go with it. But he has to maintain that. Uh, Another thing that I think is super important is we believe that he was calling all of everything at the very end of the the season. Sanford was calling everything Mm -hmm. and not really utilizing his head, his other coaches at all as far as input and advice. And it's you know, you almost think that he was in over his head at some points because there's just so much to do as a head coach r- without having to make all the play calling and without having to do all that. So Yeah, a lot of times, I'm sure, whenever you're a brand-new head coach, because he had never been a head coach before, when you Cor- come into correct. something like this with a program that is used to success, you probably don't realize how hard it is to maintain it and even reestablish it when you've lost it. Right, and, you know... You, you look ahead at this football team and you know you look you look ahead at at the the schedule for next year and there's some pretty big there's some pretty significant games as far as 
what they have coming up and, and, and you know, what they were able to accomplish this year uh, with or what their lack of accomplishments for this year. But, I mean, they're going to face Louisville again. That one's going to be. Are they coming here this year? No, week? that one's going to be in at, at Nashville, I think. I think oh, okay. that one's going to be in Nashville over at, uh, over at Titans Nissan okay. Stadium. Hmm. Uh, they have Houchins, but it's not here. I, I, I'm 99% sure it's not here. I, I remember hearing that before, uh, so you're right, probably. They will face Army, and good luck Ooh, with, good luck with that game. Option. The triple option will absolutely destroy you I'll if you're not what, ready more, for it. More teams outside of these military schools need to take up the triple option. And then Central Arkansas and Arkansas. So we are, we are having, a, tough non-conference we are having a love affair with Arkansas. Uh, but those are the big non-conference games. Those are the non-conference games that we will have. Central Arkansas, Louisville, Army, and regular Arkansas. That Arkansas game will be on the road at Fayetteville. That will be a tough game for them. Uh, but Army, Army is here, which is kind that of, is that is kind of interesting. Game. But uh, I might I might have to come back and uh, and check out that game. Yep. Come back and, and see that. I hear so, you have some ties to the Army. <laughs> I do. I do, actually. So uh, I don't. No, I'd still root for Western. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but those are the big games coming up uh, next season. So the new head coach will be instantly uh, having to put in some work, having to put in some work. If so, he can um, pull out at least two of those, I think you should be happy. Well, in Louisville, I mean, Louisville's dumpster fire. So It'll be interesting that, to see who they hire, though. Yes. If, especially that's another if you big, get Brom versus his old school. Yep. Hmm. So uh, lots of stuff coming out here in the next few few months. Uh, keep it to Red Zone for all of your uh information all your news and information thank you for listening tonight that's all the time we have check us out on soundcloud uh as always you can check out our facebook live and our twitter red zone radio and our facebook we always have up-to-date information and we are keeping it up to date as information comes in lots to talk about lots of stuff today wish we had another hour to break down stuff but we sadly don't we are out of time uh, but for Lyra Clamola, John Alden, Ryan Gooden, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening tonight. And as always, go, go tops. tops.